Welcome to the Rich Room Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Sobel. Where you can master the art of enriching your life. What kind of kindergarten shit is this? And finding a path to financial freedom. Who the fuck was supposed to teach me how to do my taxes? So sit back, relax, and step into the Rich Room. You know I can't help these cause they know they can never touch these. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> I sound like Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Welcome to the Rich Room, y'all. I'm your host, Lindsay Sobel. I want to start off with a little listener appreciation. I am still really tripped out that I have people who actually listen to this podcast. I have listeners all over the fucking world. Can y'all believe that? I mean, I'm sure you can because you're you. But I'm kind of freaking out about it in the best possible way. I mean, we have Louisiana, Mississippi, Florida, Texas. We even have California and New York listening. And it's not just the United States. We've got Mexico, Canada, Spain, the UK, Italy, Nigeria, Kenya, India, Australia, Japan, I mean, I could keep going, but it would take too long. I am overwhelmed with gratitude. Thank you all so much for listening to The Rich Room from the bottom of my heart. Okay, I received some really good questions for my new segment, Listen, Linda, which is your chance to ask me anything you want. It can be law-related, family-related, or you could just tell me some hot gossip, but please don't use real names. Whatever you want to talk about, you can send an email to therichroompodcast at gmail.com and tell me to listen, Linda. I'm going to reserve that discussion, though, for the end of the episode because some of the questions, or really one of the questions, is political in nature, and I know that's not everyone's jam. So just like a few episodes back when I discussed the state of Mississippi's proposed infringement on the First Amendment right of its citizens— I'm going to wait until the end of this episode and give those who don't want to listen to political chatter a chance to drop off. Let's continue our Rich AF journey led by Vivian 2. Last episode, we covered some key characteristics of rich people and why we got to move a little differently in this new era. Today, we are going to wrap up chapter one and review some of the money advice that we have been given that actually doesn't apply. The money advice out there sucks, and it's not realistic, and it ends up pissing everybody off. The first piece of bad money advice listed in the book is, just switch careers to make money. Well, this is easier said than done, let me fucking tell you. The reality about life is that humans are generally products of their environment. A blue-collar person in the Midwest is not very likely to land a job at Google headquarters in California. There are way more barriers to entry. A person who grew up in a blue-collar family is more likely to follow in the footsteps of their family members and also be a blue-collar worker. It's not impossible, but it certainly isn't as easy as just switch your career. (laughs) Okay, the second is... Just find a cheaper place to live 
or get roommates? Uh, what cheaper place? A harsh truth right now is that rent is extremely high. Honestly, all prices are high right now. But I'm sorry, who the fuck wants to live with someone else? Living by yourself shouldn't be a luxury. You should be able to afford a good place to live on your own with one job. Call me fucking crazy. I mean, obviously you should have animals. Animals are far better than people anyways. Also, getting a cheaper place likely means a longer commute to work or maybe a less safe area. So that cheaper place is likely costing you more in the long run. Oh, I love this piece of money advice. (laughs) Just spend less on lattes and avocado toast. Bitch, what? Okay, this is so dumb. Vivian too does a fantastic job of breaking this down. If you get avocado toast that costs $18 for twice a week for a whole year, you would have spent approximately $1,800. If you get a $5 latte every day for a year, you would have also spent around $1,800. We'll call the annual avocado toast and latte expense a cool 5k to make it even that's not doing much y'all bottom line it ain't the avocado toast and the lattes holding you back inflation is getting fucking out of hand i got mcdonald's the other day and got a combo and a bagel and it was like 25 dollars. what the fuck is going on y'all side note i am fully convinced that i make the best avocado toast i take a full avocado and mash it up I add raw chopped red onions, ugh, amazing, and some delicious sriracha. I mix all that up, put it on some toast, preferably preferably Dave's Killer Bread, and hot damn, it's just so delicious. Fuck, I'm hungry now. Okay, this money advice is good too. Just relax. Money can't buy happiness anyway. Okay, I'm definitely guilty of saying this but I totally have changed my mind on this belief. According to the book, there was a study done in 2010 that said a person's happiness did not increase as their salary increased past 75K a year. So basically, your happiness didn't increase if you made more money. Well, I can tell you right now that's bullshit. Well, a new study dropped in 2021 finding that happiness continues to increase well past 75k okay we didn't even need a study to tell us that long story short money actually does buy happiness i'll throw my two cents in money buys therapy and therapy makes you happy and if i might if i'm being dead honest quality therapy is not really affordable and most people do not take insurance and most insurance out there only covers mental health care from providers in your network. You should be able to choose whatever fucking doctor you want. My friend Julia had a great idea. We should have a system available for people to take like a mental health year in our 20s so you get your shit worked out early on and you can re- and you can live the rest of your fucking life unburdened by all the trauma you endured as a kid. Most importantly, You don't inflict that trauma on other people because hurt people hurt people and no one gets away from childhood trauma. 
We all have it. And the last piece of bad money advice, just stop choosing to be poor. Okay, babe, thanks. That's just like such great advice. Here's something interesting in the book. Medical bankruptcy is the leading cause of bankruptcy in the United States. So when the inevitable happens and you need treatment or surgery and you can't pay the bill and have to file for bankruptcy, that fucks up your whole credit. And getting out of the cycle of living paycheck to paycheck means fighting all these factors that you that have been working against you, like exhaustion, illness, a lack of time, a lack of resources, a lack of role models. People aren't choosing to be poor. They just haven't been given the education, tools, and opportunities to get themselves out of that situation. Not to get all conspiracy theory on your ass, but our country wants people to be poor. There's too much money to be made off of people being poor. It's so fucked up, but that is a sad truth here. Personally, I don't think I've really gotten any bad money advice, but just not a lot of money advice. Or I would get advice without any guidance on how to accomplish said advice. Like, just save your money. Okay, but how do I accomplish that? What does that look like? What type of accounts? Luckily, Vivian too is going to teach us all how to do that. There's another very important section in chapter one on why race, gender, and diversity are important to acknowledge in this financial realm. Even though we acknowledge that it's harder now than it used to be from a general sense, for some people, it has always been harder. It has always been hard for women, minorities, and the LGBTQ plus community. I'm sure y'all heard of that story in California where a black couple received a low appraisal on their renovated home that they were refinancing. That same company appraised the house again upon the couple's request, but the black homeowners removed all photos of them and replaced them with pictures of their white friends and also had a white friend pose as the homeowner. And wouldn't you fucking know it, that appraisal came back half a million dollars more than the first one. That is fucked up. The couple sued and settled out of court. Even though this time is challenging for everyone, there are groups who have many more barriers to break through and have to be presented with people's biases on an everyday basis. No matter what bad money advice you received, we can all agree that we want to be rich AF and we all need a rich BFF like Vivian too. We will move on to chapter two next week. Oh, I also saw on Vivian 2's social media that this book that we are covering, Rich AF, is on the New York Times bestseller list. Okay, Vivian, go girl. Do y'all like this? Do y'all like this kind of information being presented? Is this something y'all are interested in? If you do like this or if you have any feedback at all, please email me at therichroompodcast at gmail.com. I'm constantly wanting to improve and the feedback you guys give me is invaluable. As y'all know, I am done with Vanderpump Rules, which means there is room on my docket for a new show. 
All I'm really looking for in a show is for it to keep my attention, to have humor, to have drama, and to have some redemption. I really like to see character growth. Oh, also, if the show features female nudity, it better feature some male nudity too. We're going to sexualize everyone equally, okay? Now, not every show is going to have everything that I'm looking for. But a show that did have everything that I was looking for was Winning Time on HBO. I'm still not over the fucking cancellation of that show. You know what? While I'm fucking at it, let me get this off my chest. Rap Shit on HBO has not been renewed for another season, and I am fucking pissed. HBO has canceled another favorite show of mine. To make matters worse, the show is set and filmed in Miami. Not only was the show very entertaining and checked every requirement on Lindsay's quality entertainment checklist, but it showed different places in Miami that I've never been to. And I was really looking forward to a new season. And the season left with such a cliffhanger too. I need to see Chastity get a win. I need to see if Maurice ends up turning Shauna into the police. I need to see Mia and Shauna beat Raina's ass. I read that the creator of the show, Issa Rae, is raising money to start her own studio, and I fully support that. HBO does not recognize what it's passing up. Man, I might have to cancel HBO. I can't think of a show currently on HBO that I want to watch. Okay, thank you for listening to that. I had to get that off my chest. Okay, so I'm looking for a new show to replace the lackluster train wreck that is Vanderpump Rules. I don't know if Instagram is listening to me or something and took Vanderpump Rules content out of my algorithm or what, but I'm not seeing any posts about the new episodes on social media. It can't be a good sign for the show that no one is talking about the new episodes. Anywho, new show. So, I've had several people ask me if I was into Summer House, which is also on Bravo. It's about these young men and women who work in New York City and get a summer house together in the Hamptons. I think Summer House is on its eighth season right now. And I knew from social media that there was a big breakup, and I knew that there was a girl on the show named Lindsay. I tried watching this show when it first came... Ooh, my hip just popped. I tried watching this show when it first came on, but I did not feel like it was for me. And when I started season seven, I remembered why. The group collectively drinks a lot, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but there are a few people who get wasted every weekend they're there. Like slurring their words and all off balance and shit. That was a turnoff for me. I don't like being around people who don't keep their shit together. I'm not saying that the people on the show don't keep their shit together because they are definitely pretty successful career-wise. And I understand this is how they blow off steam, which I have no problem with. But probably eight years ago, I was like, Nah, I'ma watch Vanderpump Rules. Also, Summer House back in the day felt super bro-y and fraternity-like, and I've graduated from that type of shit. Well, now the cast is much better than it used to be. My favorites are Paige, Sierra, and Amanda. My least favorites are Carl and Lindsay. Let me tell you, I am triggered by Lindsay. Mainly because we share a name and her entire demeanor and energy is completely abrasive. My soccer coach in high school told me that I was abrasive. And I didn't know what the word meant at the time. And I was like, 
Thank you, sir. But it ain't a good thing. And this abrasive Lindsay on Summer House is not doing our name any favors. Carl and Lindsay started out as friends on the show, got together, moved in together, got engaged, and they suddenly called off their wedding. That is what we will see play out in season eight, which is the current season. I'm watching season seven where Carl and Lindsay just moved in together. And now they are at the summer house together and the rest of the household hates them. Really, the entire household hates Lindsay. So they are saying, Lindsay is so manipulative. Lindsay is so controlling. Lindsay is the reason everyone fights. And I'm watching this and I'm like, no guys, what? Nuh-uh, not all Lindsays are like that. So this girl, Lindsay, is really doing my name a disservice in the public eye. It is important to note that she spells her name L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, where I spell my name L-I-N-D-S-E-Y. There are some good Lindsays out there, but I would say the most famous Lindsay is Lindsay Lohan. Also an A-Y, not an E-Y like me. I wish there was a different pronunciation for the A-Y spelling of Lindsay. Like Lindsay. (laughs) Lindsay is the reason for all the fights. Lindsay is so manipulative. But you know what? It It doesn't sound like that. It sounds like Lindsay. After watching Summer House, I now know that one of my missions in life is to restore my good name, which has been tainted by some other bitches named Lindsay. Justice for Lindsay. Also, I am so not surprised that Carl and Lindsay did not work out. Just watching their show, their relationship seems so cringy and forced. I really feel for Carl though because he just got sober and then went straight to a summer house where everyone drinks all the time. And then Lindsay stopped drinking too to support Carl, but then she actually still wants to drink. Obviously, that causes a lot of tension and probably some resentment that Lindsay's not even acknowledging. Carl seems noticeably uncomfortable all the time, and he and Lindsay basically isolate themselves from everyone. They also have this weird, forced-feeling PDA. I'm, like, simultaneously horrified, and I also can't stop watching. Ooh, the season finale of Real Housewives of Miami aired, and it was really good. My favorite part was when Gertie's husband, Russell, shaved her head before she started her chemotherapy treatments. It was just so beautiful and tender and loving and kind. They seemed to have a very strong relationship and seemed to really complement each other as a couple. I do not think that Larsa and Gertie will ever be friends again. It's also really difficult to see Larsa be so combative with someone going through cancer treatment. And she still has yet to apologize for spilling the beans that Gertie had breast cancer. Oh, I loved seeing Alexia's son, Frankie, take an Uber by himself for the first time. That felt like a lot of growth. It was very good. The reunion should be pretty good too because this season was fucking intense. Okay. I think y'all are going to like this story. A court in Ireland dismissed a mother's $820,000 insurance claim after a picture emerged of her winning a contest to see who could toss a Christmas tree the farthest. (laughs) 
Camilla Grabska, 36, claims that a car accident in 2017 left her with debilitating pain, leaving her unable to lift heavy bags and keeping her in bed on bad days. She alleged that the constant pain in her neck, back, and thoracic spine left her unable to lift groceries, do chores, or play with her two children. She sued the insurance company claiming that she could not work for five fucking years. But this bitch's case took a turn when a photo published in the newspaper almost a year after her accident showed her winning a Christmas tree throwing contest. The picture shows her wearing a yellow jacket, forcefully throwing the tree in the town of Innes in West Ireland. Oh, in Ireland. Did I do that right? Okay. (laughs) Where the championship takes place. The winner is the person who throws it the farthest. And not only did this bitch participate in the contest, she fucking won and had her photo published in the damn newspaper. What an idiot. I feel so bad for that attorney. The article says that the woman's legal representatives did not immediately respond to requests for comment. Yeah, I bet they didn't. But I do feel bad for her attorney, but I bet the defense attorney is walking on cloud fucking nine. That's basically a slam dunk for a defense attorney. Basically the best case scenario. This shit happens all the time though. All the fucking time. You'll see people saying they can't use their arm from an incident and then... Then you'll see that they continue to work as a videographer using both of their arms very well. Then you got to call their attorney and be like, hey, uh, maybe you should go look at your client's social media and we should talk because looks like that arm, it's working real well. Oh, that story gave me a chuckle. Okay, so I think spring break is coming up in the next week or so. I don't know what y'all had planned, but... Heed my warning and do not come to Miami Beach. Last year, Miami Beach had two deadly shootings, 488 arrests, and more than 100 firearms seized over the two weekends in March that are considered spring break. Now, obviously, Miami Beach can't prevent people from traveling on those weekends. But there have been some measures put in place that will significantly impede the spring break experience. On the weekends of March 8th and 15th, the parking garages in Miami Beach will be completely closed down except for local residents and employees. There will also be three entrances to the public beach and they will all have security checkpoints and bag checks to ensure that prohibited items are not brought onto the beach, which include coolers, inflatable devices, tents, tables, Damn, surely you can bring a shade tent to the beach, right? That would be crazy. Like, what if you don't want to be in the sun? Also, any amplified music is prohibited, as is alcohol and smoking. If you're going to go, it may be the time to do a little gummy. There will also be increased police presence. Also, all sidewalk cafes on Ocean Drive will be closed those weekends. Damn, that sucks for employees of those establishments that probably make a lot of money on these weekends. So if you're thinking about coming to Miami for spring break, you might want to make other plans. Did y'all ever see that movie, Spring Breakers? James Franco was in it, so was Selena Gomez and Vanessa Hudgens. You know, that might have been the last movie that Vanessa Hudgens has actually done. 
And damn, that was back in 2012. Anyways, it's a good movie, but it's kind of weird. Me and my mom went to see it in theaters, and at the end of the movie, James Franco character just keeps repeating, spring break, spring break. I think it was supposed to be artsy or something, but it didn't really land, so he's just going, spring break. And me and my mom just started dying laughing in the movie because it was so fucking absurd. I think we might have actually bought the DVD for that movie, though. I'll tell y'all what, if these streaming services hike their prices up anymore, I'm going back to DVDs. I could watch the entire OC show on a loop for the rest of my life and be happy. There are like 27 episodes in each season. There are many shows that I would just buy the complete series and keep those babies on a loop. Because the prices are getting out of fucking control now. I mean, we got the OC, we got Dirty Rock, we got Curb Your Enthusiasm... Oh, what else is out there? The Office, Friends, Seinfeld. That's all you got to have right there. And you are set for fucking life. So I recently just read an article that there was a study done in the UK on the four-day work week and whether it is beneficial. Surprise, surprise. It was a fucking success. The UK tested a four-day work week over the course of a six-month trial involving 61 companies and around 2,900 employees. The study concluded with 92% of participating companies opting to continue the four-day work week and 18 companies making it a permanent change. 92% continued to use a four-day work week. That is fucking awesome. This trial is the largest of its kind and reported sustained business performance and productivity, but also significant improvements in employee well-being, including reduced stress and burnout, better work-life balance, and a decrease in sick days and staff turnover. The companies involved ranged across different sectors, showing the versatility and potential broad applicability of a shorter work week without loss of pay which signals a significant shift towards more flexible work arrangements. I think the U.S. should do this. I think we also should do a four-day school week. What do y'all think? If you think that the United States should go to a four-day work week and school, email me at therichroompodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear your thoughts. Why are companies in the U.S. so reluctant to give their employees some autonomy? Why can't we just treat people like adults? Like, get your work done, get your work done on time, but do it on your own terms. The data is there. The companies will actually benefit, and so will the employees. I don't know if y'all have noticed, but the work, family, school, life demands are getting out of control. I have friends working with young kids who are fighting to barely keep their head above water. I think that the four-day work week is an excellent solution for all. I truly do. Okay, so what's new with me? Well, my sewing class has been going great. I love my teacher. She has such a good energy and presence. And the other day she was talking to me and she made me feel so special because she called me Mia more. That is a very, very common thing here. People say my love and it doesn't feel creepy at all. She was like, yes, yes, come here, Mia more. 
<laughs> I loved it. So far, my favorite things to do are darts and pleats. I know how to do a French seam, flat fell. I'm learning about the serger machine. We have a lot of homework, but I really enjoy it. The girls in my class are so sweet and fun. I'm having a great time learning something completely new. It's also so fucking nice to be around a group of women who are supporting each other. Like, we share food, we share supplies, and we kind of can't stop getting into conversations during class. Everyone gets along so well. And each woman is very, very talented with great potential. I truly look forward to going to each class. And then I'll come home and I'll just sew for hours and not even think about it. Y'all know I go to bed pretty damn early too. I was sewing the other day and I looked up from my sewing and it was 9 fucking p.m. I was like, holy shit, I gotta go to bed. I don't ever remember feeling so genuinely motivated when I practice law. So I think I might be onto something. I think I might be on my path. It, it feels right. I also think it might be time for, listen, Linda, I was so thrilled to receive questions for my new segment. Listen, Linda, you got a question? Linda will listen. You want to get something off your chest? Linda will listen. Without further ado, let's get to some questions. Here's the first one. Listen, Linda, how do you feel about Teen Mom, the TV show? And this one comes from Tracy in South Dakota. Tracy, I fucking hated it. Here's this show, Teen Mom, that comes out when I'm in college in Starkville, Mississippi, where I was just not allowed to rush a sorority and was even asked to not return to rush because I had a baby in high school. And before that, I was almost kicked out of a social club because I had a baby in high school. And all I wanted to do was fade into the background after that. I didn't want any attention on me or talk about me having a child at all. Because the reaction that I received from society when I had my daughter was, you are not accepted into our society and there will be consequences. So I never talked about it. But that didn't stop other people from talking about it. Do y'all remember the website Juicy Campus? It was like an anonymous gossip website for each college. Well, your girl made the website. Someone posted on there a negative comment about me having a baby. And that hurt. It hurt because it was like my greatest fear came to be true. That people were speaking negatively about me having a baby and also going to college. And it was anonymous, so you have no idea who said it. There were other people who commented on it, some negatively, and there were a few positive. There were a few people who defended me, and whoever you are out there, thank you so much, because that was very touching to me. Needless to say, I was so paranoid all the time. I would walk the campus going to classes wondering who it was that felt that way about me and really believing that there were more people who felt that way and who just weren't putting it on the internet. I remember one girl telling me to my face, like, I have no idea how you leave your daughter because I can't even leave my dog. 
okay, bitch, well, there's something called a bigger picture. I would drive four hours from Starkville on a Friday afternoon to Gulfport, Mississippi, and then drive four hours back to school on Sunday afternoon. I would be home in Gulfport with Madison every other weekend, every school break, every winter break, and every summer break. And I also went to community college at home during the summers so I could graduate from college in three and a half years. And looking back, I honestly don't even remember talking to my friends about Madison. And I also don't remember sharing any of the struggles I was having as a young mom with my friends. I just internalized everything. The focus of conversations was not about kids or babies. It was usually about my friends going to their swaps or the fraternity houses or going out or having boyfriends. And then I also felt very guilty that my family was helping me so much with Madison. There are definitely struggles that everyone goes through when when raising kids. And I was afraid to add to those struggles by telling my family that I felt so isolated at college. It did get better though, or maybe I just got used to it. As college goes on, people drop out of fraternities and sororities, so things got better towards the end of college. I lived with three girls in my sophomore year of college. I think roommates are fun, but they are always eating your damn food. And by they, I mean me. I was always eating my roommate's food. One of my roommates, God bless her, she would bring home to-go food and would write on top that it was her to-go food and to not eat it. Well, um, I ate the to-go food and it was fucking good. Not all of it, just like a few bites. Back then, I feel like I really didn't have any control. So eating Morgan's leftover umis where you paid $6.99 for a big-ass to-go box of chicken fried rice with extra yum-yum sauce, all the yum-yum sauce. It was extra delicious for me in a way, and a little way for me to exert, you know, some control. I also did that to my freshman dorm roommate as well. I would eat her bananas and strawberry frosted (laughs) Pop-Tarts. Sorry, Stephanie, love you. And I definitely ate some of the king cake that my sophomore roommate's mom would send to her. Damn, love you, Morgan. Thanks for all the food. Okay, how did I get off on this tangent? What was the question? Oh, right. How do you feel about the show Teen Mom? Well, in 2009, when I was a sophomore at Mississippi State, Go Dogs, a little television program was released called Teen Mom. It was like the universe was playing a cruel joke on me. Because the show was a massive success. And gee, who's the only teen mom we know? It's that baby birthing bitch, Lindsay. It's like the universe threw me on a dark stage and then put a spotlight right on me. I thought to myself when that show came out, you have got to be kidding me. Thank you for your question, Tracy. The next question is from Anonymous. Listen, Linda. Do you have any tips on taking Manjaro? Okay, so Manjaro is similar to the semi-glutide that I took last year for weight loss. Okay, my advice is to stock up on Imodium and Zofran. Imodium for the tummy troubles and Zofran for the nausea. 
Zofran is the best invention out there. It really helps with nausea. In retrospect, I would have reduced my dosage as I lost weight. I never went over a dosage of 0.5, even though I was instructed to increase my dosage more. Now, I'm not a medical professional, but I think that my body weight might have needed a lower dose as I was losing weight because towards the end, it felt like the 0.5 dosage was a lot. I couldn't even leave the house without first taking two Imodium. I also could not drink any alcohol at all. I had one glass of champagne at the carousel bar in the Hotel Monteleone in New Orleans with my friend Ryan for Gay Pride and literally ran to the bathroom to throw up. It's not fun not being in control of your bodily functions, but I would do it again to get a little kickstart on a weight loss journey. Okay, let's do another question. Listen, Linda, do you have any thoughts or tips on the California sober lifestyle? I would like to preface this with, I am not an addiction specialist. That being said, I do have an opinion on what has been deemed the California sober lifestyle. To me, the future is weed. It's only a matter of time before it becomes legal nationwide. I've said this before, it's insane to me how alcohol is what is legal and weed is still considered illegal from a federal perspective. And there really is absolutely zero reason why that law still remains. There is no reason for cannabis to be considered a Schedule One drug under the DEA, meaning that it has a high risk of addiction and no recognized medical use in the United States. It's just such bullshit. I could talk all day about it. The federal government is holding society hostage with this fucking law. It's preventing people from creating businesses. It's preventing people from experimenting with medication that might have a profound impact on their life. It's also just a dick move to have a law that goes against all research that is out there. Fucking Nixon. Like I said, I could talk about this for hours, but that wasn't the question. The question was, listen, Linda, do you have any thoughts or tips on the California sober lifestyle? Love, Kiki. Again, I'm not an addiction specialist and sometimes struggle with the understanding of addiction, but I respect it. And it's funny that Kiki sent this question in because I was recently discussing this with my therapist. As I understand it, a California sober lifestyle is not one that is appropriate for someone who struggles with addiction. For those who don't know, the term California sober is a term typically used to describe people who decide to quit consuming drugs and alcohol with the exception of weed. We've seen Carl and Summerhouse go California sober. We've seen James Kennedy do it on Vanderpump Rules. I looked it up, and all the celebrities who once said they were California sober are either now sober sober or no longer with us. So it is safe to say that California sober is not appropriate for a person with addiction. I am not California sober, nor am I sober sober. I fortunately do not have an addiction issue, so I get to be freely off the wagon. I really like weed. 
I prefer it significantly to alcohol, but I still drink alcohol from time to time. In fact, I had some champagne the other day when I was attempting a Beyonce Texas Hold'em dance video that may never see the light of day. It was LaMarca, but it did the trick. I have Tattinger taste on a LaMarca budget. But I can totally understand wanting to give up alcohol and only consume cannabis. I think the term California sober gets thrown around by people when they stop drinking and only smoke weed, but I don't think California sober really exists in the addiction world. So my tip to you, Kiki, is that if you are struggling with addiction issues, then a California sober lifestyle may not be for you. But if Kiki is thinking about stopping drinking but still using cannabis and there is no addiction issue, then I say go ahead. But I have learned and my therapist has confirmed that a California sober lifestyle is not one that is appropriate for a person with addiction issues. Good luck to you, Kiki, and thank you for emailing your question. You're a goddess and I love you. Okay, we have our last question for, listen, Linda, but it's political in nature, so if you don't want to hear a little political chatter, then you are free to drop off here. I love you, and I'll see you next episode. Thank you for listening to The Rich Room. Now, for the rest of y'all hooligans, the question that I received from Paige in Nashville Listen, Linda, can you explain the new Alabama frozen embryo laws? Well, Paige, how much fucking time do you have? Of course, I have a lot of thoughts on this issue. I don't know if y'all have noticed, but there's been a really weird push to pass legislation all across the country and overturn laws related to women's rights. Going all the way from abortion to birth control. It's a little unsettling, I'll admit that. So, the Alabama Supreme Court recently ruled that frozen embryos are considered extra-uterine children and thus included in the definition of a minor child in a wrongful death suit. What happened in the case was that there was a couple who had embryos with an IVF clinic and the clinic accidentally destroyed the embryos. So the couple filed a wrongful death suit to collect damages from those destroyed embryos. I'm sure y'all can imagine that this court ruling was problematic as fuck for IVF clinics who now have hundreds, maybe even more of what the Alabama Supreme Court considers frozen babies in their clinic. Like that's just insane. So as you can imagine, most, if not all, IVF clinics had to close. I mean, the exposure to liability there. How could they even get insurance to operate under the new Supreme Court ruling? Not to mention all of the women who were in the middle of treatment or about to have their embryo transfer, and they had to stop and waste an entire cycle of drugs and energy and money because of a fucking court decision. I, I read that the Alabama legislature is apparently writing a law to allow for IVF, but fuck, man, why y'all gotta be all up in our business? And let me just say, I know a lot 
of Christian Catholic women and couples who have gone through the IVF process. I, I really wish they would stand up and say something right now in defense of IVF. Maybe they will. So there also seems to be a very intentional and widespread effort to attack birth control pills and also gasp <gasps> recreational sex. Not to be self-centered, but I'm most concerned with how this movement is going to affect me. Like, love y'all women, love y'all. But I feel that these kinds of laws are being passed right when Lindsay's trying to get her groove back. I am Angela Bassett and I am looking for a Tay Diggs. Well, I might not have ever really had a groove to get back, but Lindsay is looking for a damn groove. My daughter is in college. I don't want to have any more children. So the only sex I will be having for the rest of my life is recreational sex. And I feel like that's not a bad thing. And I feel like all of my friends and my family fucking want that for me. They want that for me. I want to find someone who is like amazing and I can be in an amazing relationship with. But I don't even think I want to get married again. I just don't want to go through, leg through legalities again. God dang. Like what is going on? And now birth control pills? There's a push to get rid of birth control pills. It's almost as if those behind this agenda want unwanted pregnancies and they are not happy with the state of things now. You know, it's actually really perplexing because the teen birth rate is at an all-time low. In fact, in 2022, the teen birth rate dropped below 18 births per 1,000 girls ages 15 to 19 for the first time since the government began regularly collecting data in 1940. Also, the abortion rate is at an all-time low, reporting 10 girls per 1,000 ages 15 to 19 having abortions. Those are both incredibly low numbers, which you would think would be a good thing. You would think that would be celebrated. But now there's this push against birth control and recreational sex. Why are y'all trying to fuck with me? I also don't know what it is about birth control either. My birth control controls my heavy periods, if you must fucking know. Not a lot of recreational sex happening here right now, okay? You know what's hard to do with a heavy period? Everything. Bringing your kids to school, going to work where you have to hide a tampon up your sleeve while you walk to the bathroom. Isn't that fucking crazy? That it does not feel like it's appropriate to have a tampon in your hand while you walk to the bathroom at your job. I know every single woman I know hides their tampon in their bra, in their sleeve, in their pants while they walk to the fucking bathroom. That's just insane. We just act like it doesn't even happen. Also, with a heavy period, exercising is out of the question. Driving, walking, running, going to court sitting in an eight-hour deposition, driving hours to depositions. Like, what the fuck, y'all? Let us have our birth control and control our damn periods. 
birth control for me is like a savior and not in a pregnancy prevention way. I've seen people giving their accounts of being on birth control and getting depressed. (laughs) Y'all, it ain't the birth control. And I don't know why. It is literally baffling to me that there is a group of people out there that want women to have unwanted pregnancies. And not to get all conspiracy theory on your ass again, but it feels like pretty soon I'll be asked to wear a red coat and a white bonnet a la The Handmaid's Tale. PBS put out an article that globally abortions decreased in countries where it's legal and increased in countries where it's banned. So bans don't work. It's fucking proven time and time again. Here's the thing about abortion in the United States, though. There are states where it's permitted. So anyone who can afford to travel to that state will do so in order to get the health care they need. Those who are really impacted by an abortion ban are those people who can't afford to travel. It's a clusterfuck, y'all. A hot damn mess. And as for recreational sex, it's not just single people doing it. Married people do it too. And a lot of those couples also do not want children. Most importantly, the United States Supreme Court has found that you have a right to privacy and do what you want in your own home, sex-wise. In Lawrence v. Texas, the United States Supreme Court found that adults are free to engage in private conduct in their home, a.k.a. sex, without intervention from the government. In that specific case, police busted up in this man's home and saw him engaging in a sex act with another man and arrested them both and convicted them of deviant sexual intercourse, which violated a Texas statute. That statute was held unconstitutional and a violation of the Due Process Clause by the U.S. Supreme Court. Funny enough, Justice Clarence Thomas wrote a concurring opinion in the case that overturned Roe v. Wade, saying that, saying that the Supreme Court should overturn Lawrence v. Texas, basically saying that we aren't allowed to do what we want in our households. Listen, I don't know what's going on, and I thought conservatives wanted less government interference, but it seems like conservatives are fine with the government interfering into a woman's life or into gay men's life. Y'all better get your shit together because I got a groove to find, okay? That's it for this episode, y'all. Follow me at Lindsay underscore Sobel and also follow at The Rich Room Podcast. I hope y'all have a fan-fucking-tastic day and a great fucking weekend. Love y'all.